0: Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast.
1: Greetings and hello. Welcome to another episode of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, the show where we get together with our friends and have really interesting conversations about all things sci-fi. Today, I want us to try and solve what I call the Men in Black situation, or rather the mystery of Men in Black, and try to figure out why Men in Black 1 was so successful, what made it so great, and why they haven't been able to do that with any of the other movies. But to help us have that discussion, joining us today are my usual co-hosts, Adina Mignona.
2: Hi, I'm Adina. Good evening, good afternoon,
1: good morning, wherever you are and listening to this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Brian Donahue.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm a big Star Trek geek, and I love it. Steve
3: Merkin. Hi, this is Steve Merkin, and I've loved Star, uh, Star Trek and science fiction as long as I could reach up and turn on a TV.
1: I agree, and I'm the same way, and I'm Christian Fox and have been in, obsessed with sci-fi for forever, I think. But today, before we actually try to assess the Men in Black situation, how's everyone been doing, and what kind of sci-fi have you all watched?
2: Well, ever since the last episode we recorded, I've been obsessed with one thought. What happened yeah, right. to their uniforms? <laughs> well, okay, I, I've said this before, I'm not an actor, but like I want to act in a tiny, teeny little like two to five minute fan film only to say I got the uniform. So just I'm just putting it out there. I'm not an actor. I'd probably be terrible. I could speak some techno babble. That's probably the extent of it. Um, But I I really want to do it and then be able to like come away with the uniform, any Star Trek uniform.
1: Oh, you mean you want to get a Star Trek uniform? You know, I thought you meant like where they got them in the show. Oh, I gotcha. Oh, no, because okay. that's,
2: that's all I've been thinking about is what happened to the uniforms after. Why didn't the actors who didn't get paid for that go away with the Star Trek uniforms that were oh, like awesome? Right. So I want one. And so I figure I have to earn one. And to earn one, I'll have to like act for five minutes.
1: Now, do you have a specific uniform you want? Nope. Like, I'll you do Johnny any of them. Enterprise? Any, okay. any of them. Mm. Any of them. Even the Bajoran.
2: Okay, any Starfleet uniform.
3: Okay. Oh, okay. Me, okay, uh,
2: any Starfleet, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking purely a Starfleet uniform, but from any of the series.
3: Okay, well, Adina, I do keep in contact with Paul Lang, who would played Captain Hawk in the movie Horizon. Mm-hmm. I will ask him, do you okay. have your uniform? So, other than
2: that, that's all. That's all I've been able to think about when I've been able to think about sci-fi since the last time we recorded <laughs>
0: when when christie's did that big auction some years ago of all the star trek oh, props yeah. and everything which which i was fascinated with glued to the computer screen as much as i could get away with in my day job back in the day um uh seeing some of the props the uniforms that was actually that were actually worn or used on screen to see the hero motto models of Deep Space Nine in the next generation, and the hundreds of thousands of dollars those sold for, um, if if I had all the money I could ever need or want, an endless supply, I would probably have a ton of Star Trek props and memorabilia, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, it would probably be a little bit scary. Um, cause I'm with you, Dina, there are some things that I would love to have displayed on a shelf, hanging up, you know, um, what have you. So that I should stop now before I that's okay. lose myself. And,
3: uh, that's okay.
1: <laughs> uh, I agree. I mean, I want, I want specifically, sorry, not that you should be quiet, but I mean, I agree if I had the money <laughs> to have everything. yes. One thing I really want is the suede bomber sort of jacket that Scotty and Kirk have. I think that would be really cool. Oh, okay. I just I have an obsession with suede and jackets, and when there's like a Star in, Trek version of that, you're
0: mm-hmm. talking like three and four era.
1: Uh, like uh, so Scotty had yeah, so Star Trek three, Scotty has it, and then he wears it in four, and then Kirk has it okay. in gotcha. five. Mm-hmm. I love that jacket, and I and I liked Kirk's jacket in Beyond, even though Beyond I have now officially have decided is my least favorite Trek movie. But that like a away team jacket. Is the coolest thing, and I would rock that everywhere. Was but. that
0: was that was that your least favorite in your recent top ten or top top Star Trek films on your podcast, which I listened to by the way.
1: Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. I wasn't sure how people felt about that episode; it was very long. But yeah, I came to the realization that you know what, out of all the Trek movies, Beyond is the one that I go to the least. I'm never really like, oh man, I really want to watch Beyond. I'll always watch the intro, the captain's log. Mm -hmm. and then I usually bounce out. Even
2: below Nemesis and Insurrection?
1: So Nemesis and Insurrection, I think, this is one of those things where I think in a lot, especially Nemesis, I think is a Mm -hmm. worse movie than Beyond because of the way it's made, but I have Mm -hmm. more fondness for Insurrection or Nemesis because I grew up with it. Sure. Um, And even seeing that, it took me a number of viewings to be like, okay, this isn't good, but I still watch it all the time and insurrection i don't think is a bad movie it's a solid six it's just not a great film
0: i think it's a good episode it's a good yes it's a good episode yeah
1: and i have just a lot of nostalgia for it like it's Mm -hmm. one that i go back to and i like i'll just put it on because i like listen to the techno babble i love Mm -hmm. um uh what's his name uh not dowdy the
0: f murray abraham
1: yeah who like it's one of those things. This is one of those tangents for me where it's like, I realize he's an <laughs> Academy Award winning actor, but he will always be the guy from um, Insurrection. <laughs> and I'm sure if I were to ever say that, to him, he'd be like, I've made so many better movies than that. I can't believe that's all you think about. Amadeus. But I did see Amadeus, but yeah. still. Insurrection. Yes, he made him
3: great in that. Yes, he great. Yeah,
1: man. I know. Of course, that's what I think he won the Academy for, right? The Academy Award yeah. for.
3: Mm-hmm. And Brian you know when you were talking about the um uh christie's auction they had they had in downtown in beverly hills i went to actually the christie auction house and they had some of the memorabilia that they were going to auction off there on display and so i'm i'm wearing my uh nxo1 away cap that you know was a reproduction and there's an original one sitting there and i'm going uh. Oh boy, I'd love to have that worn by one of the <laughs> actors. Just the just the baseball cap, just the mx one baseball cap. Yeah. And it was going for it listed $250 and you know I did not have money, so it was right. just, just something to look at and drool over.
0: That, that would have um, been fun to see. Just to be there to see some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even yeah, even without, cool. you know, maybe maybe you get lucky and you have a couple hundred you might be able to snag something that might be cool, but um yeah. I, again, I need to be quiet because I'm just drooling over here on Zoom yeah. <laughs> thinking about Star Trek props. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the uniforms. <laughs> yeah. I just want yeah. to uniform. What, what We're all in non uh, What's yeah. that? Sci-fi. I to ask,
1: what other what sci-fi shows or movies oh. or books have you been watching or reading or listening to?
3: Well, I, I, I was going to say, I was originally going to talk about today about the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is probably one of the funniest cartoon science fiction films i have seen in years so it's on um i believe it's on netflix if you have netflix watch this movie you will bust a gut laughing it is <laughs> so funny but just before we started this broadcast i finished just watching the uh new star trek the motion picture release that's uh available on uh at 4k
0: paramount, paramount plus Plus. Yep.
3: and it's remarkable. The quality, the clarity, the picture, it, it's, you know, it's a true Blu-ray, perfect uh, image. Um, there, were, The sad thing is some of the um, composite shots, you can really just see the outlines around the things as they were composited in, but the close-ups of the actors, their faces, it looks like it was all shot digitally. It's beautiful. Wow. It really is.
1: Uh, it's amazing. I really <laughs> hope it's on my Paramount Plus because Fun fun fact: If you're in, if you're listening and you're in the U.S. in Canada, we have Paramount Plus. But guess what is not on Paramount Plus: Star Trek. For no apparent reason, I think now I've heard that it's now currently on. So I believe we have the motion picture. But I don't know. I love Canada, but it's just like why do why are (laughs) things that we get less good sometimes? Like why have Paramount Plus if you're not going to put Trek on it? Mm -hmm. But um, but no, I'm very excited to check it out, and it's just and it's also amazing. This is a like. obviously they're not going to call it director's director's cut, but it's just amazing. This is like a remaster of Mm -hmm. the remaster Mm -hmm. that we got 20 years ago, which is crazy to think it was 20 years ago that we got that. I'm super excited about it.
3: Yep. Worth watching.
1: Definitely.
0: With uh, Yeah. I haven't watched much sci-fi other than Star Trek. I've, I've been a very loyal Trekker, Um, this past week. So that's all. It's nothing exciting, but it's been fun for me.
2: So my husband and I, we've been working our way through that series on Amazon prime upload that I mentioned. This is everyone's homework assignment from the virtual reality episode a couple episodes ago. So we're working through our way through season two. It's still, it's, it's great. So I think Mm -hmm. everyone's going to love it. But besides that, I just finished John Scalzi's new audiobook or new book. I, I listened to the audiobook book version, the um, Kaiju Preservation Society. It's
1: oh, okay. fantastic. interesting,
2: fantastic. It's it's just wonderful. Uh, the audio book is narrated by Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton narrates oh, a God. lot of Scalsey's oh, wow. work and some other uh, you know other stuff. Uh, and Will Wheaton as a, a science fiction narrator, he's great for Scalsey's work and for Ernest Klein's work. The stuff that I've I've listened to. And so he does this one. It's awesome. Scalzi is awesome. And it's interesting because he, at the end of the book, he does have a little uh, kind of about uh, from from note from the author that describes kind of like the situation that that this book came about uh, because he wrote it during the the pandemic after he, uh, you know, he was supposed to be writing a book, you know, there was a book he had promised his publisher, he was supposed to be writing it and it just, he couldn't get himself to do it. So he um, basically wrote his publisher and it's like, yeah, I, I just can't. And his publisher was very understanding. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll work through this. We'll get everything. And then all of a sudden, boom, once he like let go, this book just popped out. Wow. And this book is wonderful.
0: My, <laughs> really my nephew's sister-in-law, two of my sisters-in-laws, Christy and Miriam, got to see John Scousey speak here in Northeast Ohio recently cool and that's awesome m- and got his got that book you mentioned and <laughs> got autographs all that stuff got to hear him talk and um she actually mentioned our podcast to him like there's this really Yay! great podcast you should check out so mr Scalsey, if you're out there if you're listening um give us a huge
2: fan there. here and that yeah. new book is a slam dunk
0: <laughs> love to have you on the show too sir <laughs> Um, I feel like I was boring this week. I was totally boring with my w- viewing, but uh,
1: I think it's cool that you watched star trek i listened. I didn't really watch anything except for Picard, and uh I've been listening to the coda trilogy for yes, for Trek, yeah, which is just so good and uh I'm gonna pull up the name I think it's robert uh hold on, everybody as I'm pulling some stuff up, narrated by. A guy who narrates it. I Robert, <laughs> Micoff, I think is his name. I can't pronounce his name and I apologize. I'll try to find it later, but he does such a good job. His voice is so calming and he is somehow able to channel all the characters as well as you can. And like when Worf speaks, it sounds like Worf. It's cool. It's mind blowing. And I just, I'm so happy. I'm like heaven every day to read it or listen to it.
2: I want to give another shout out to Will Wheaton. Cause I've, I've listened to a lot of his, his books and what it, at some point, I forget that it's actually Will Wheaton in a way, especially because I had not considered him before I started listening to his audiobooks, I had not considered him as someone who can do accents and voices, but he right. does. And he does them like spectacularly, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it really is great. I mean, he's very, he really is very
1: talented in that area. So yeah.
0: And if yeah. Will Wheaton's listening to this, uh, shout out to Will Wheaton. We'd love to yep. interview you too. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, no. And, so,
1: and it's Robert uh, Petkoff who, who narrates Petkoff.
0: it. Oh, I've heard. Yes, I, I know who you're t- talking about there.
1: Okay. So I think it is time that we get into the serious topic of the day to answer the question, <laughs> what is going on with Men in Black and why haven't they been able to recapture it? But for... First, what is everyone's experience with Men in Black and do you agree or disagree that Men in Black 1 is actually a really good movie? One that I've actually considered to be a modern classic, maybe modern because it's over 20 years old now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: 1997. Yeah. Wow. Wild. <laughs> no way. <laughs>
3: 25 years?
0: I yeah. What? Yeah.
3: My gosh. <laughs> okay.
0: I'll, I'll go first. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Okay, I remember watching this film when it came out in theaters, and it was hysterical. It's absolutely, uh, it's it's pretty daggone funny, and it's got some really weird, gross uh, moments in it with the aliens. You know, there's all kinds of types of incredible makeup, incredible acting as the you know the the I, I think I think. It's a very well-done film. Um I will argue whether or not it's a modern classic though. Um, okay. Uh and it's and it's not just that's more of just a personal preference though. I don't have any like, you know, solid you know, this is a great film. I don't I don't know if this would be listed in the great science fiction films of our time. Maybe it would be, maybe it's just again personal preference, but Um, I love, uh, the great thing about this film is Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith and their interactions back and forth over all the special effects, over the story, which is unique, I think, in Men in Black 1. I think it was totally a different type of science fiction. We saw some crazy things we'd never seen before in different ways. And the humor was just interlaced through almost every conversation through that film. It's a very fast-paced, humorous film. Um, the humor was in and out all the time. Um, but I, I, I had forgotten how much alien guts get splattered all over. The, <laughs> yeah a the so place on this. Film. It was gross man. It was gross. I've seen <laughs> I see I see we were talking before the podcast about giving birth and uh, all that stuff and I saw my kids come out of my wife. And I never once went, oh, that's gross, but these aliens broke going <laughs> blowing up and everything gross, man. Well, but it was it's a fun film though. It's Yeah. Fun. And
2: in the film the grossness was getting on everyone's face and bodies. And... Yes,
0: and they're spitting mm-hmm, it yeah. out, you know, yes. it's getting in their mouth and they're spitting it and that did not happen in the delivery room. No, <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, no. That's a very fair statement. That is correct. <laughs> I probably need to tone down this uh <laughs> okay. analogy here, but uh <laughs>
1: Well, it's funny. There is, like, there is definitely, uh, not a disgusting scene, but like, there was a birth scene, which is very cute, but also like a little bit like, okay, th- these are two aliens giving birth, or an alien giving birth, rather. And it's well, like, okay.
2: now, after the alien is born, and the alien spits up on Will Smith, I have to say, now, that normally doesn't happen right when a human baby is born, but spit up happens. <laughs>
0: That's true. It will right. get everywhere. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, there
2: is, I guess, a little bit of
0: realism there too. And <laughs> occasionally in your mouth. I just that, ne- personally... that never happened to me. <laughs> oh really? Well, I no. No, really I hope you The, you're the problem is though, Adina. I I was so I loved laying on the floor and oh, swinging, okay, okay. swinging my kids all over the place and my wife literally said you probably don't want to do that the kid <laughs> just ate and then i'm laying i mean gravity man just yeah. as the head's right where my head is above mm-hmm. me it's, it happens but that's my own fault though yes yeah yeah so we should get back on track with men yes. black here
3: <laughs> Danny, you want to go next you want to well,
0: go well sure
2: so i have to say Okay, so 1997 was a long time ago. I did yeah. see it in the theater, but I decided in preparation for this, a- and I kind of am on the the fence. Uh, I, I am leaning towards the, yes, it's a modern classic in the sense of, I decided, well, let's, I want to rewatch it. And I want my 11 year old to watch it with me, you know, because I, that's yeah. that's where I'm like, if I want him to watch it, then I'm doing that because I feel like this is part of his education into- science fiction, the pop culture science fiction. So that's Mm -hmm. why I think that maybe it is. Um, So we, 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 we rewatched it, you know, a week or so ago and yeah, it's still just as funny as ever. I agree that it's, you know, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, their interaction is what really makes a film. And then after that I was like, okay, well, do I want to go back and watch the others? And as I was doing a little bit of research, I and I watched the trailers and some clips that I found on YouTube. And I realized I've seen two, but my confession time is I don't think I've seen three. Well, don't mm-hmm. think of it. I'm no pretty sure else. I never saw three. And then international, when the trailer came out, and I think it was also just because it might have been fine to watch with my kid. I was saying, oh, yeah, let's watch it. It looks kind of cool. But we never did. And mm-hmm. I'm not too upset about it. But when I was rewatching the clips from two and remembering two, I remember still enjoying it in the same way I enjoyed one because, because of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. And I thought, you know, bringing him back the way they did, I thought that was kind of cute and funny and that worked and then having him back and that that's what the film, you know, needed and needed them. But I think the real answer to why like one was awesome and the other ones less so. And I think this is true of lots of movies that have sequels. Why is the first one great and the rest aren't? So, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to have this theory come up with this theory, but my theory is very simply, one is the shiny new object. It's new, it's a new world building. And we love all the world building. Once you've done that, then if two, three, four, whatever, if they're, they have to be rock solid stories because you've done the world building, you know you've 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 gotten past that, and so I think that's why they fall off is because it was shiny new object syndrome, and now you don't really have the shiny new object. Mm-hmm. So very simple, that's
3: least to make. <laughs> good
1: point. Yeah, that makes no. sense. What, what about you, well, Steve?
3: I saw the. I've seen all four of them, um, and I've seen one a number of times. I saw a number four international once. I think I saw two maybe once or twice and three I've seen uh, maybe two or three times. One is so good because just like they open up with an action sequence. The whole chase scene at the Guggenheim that opens up, you go, I mean, that's exciting. You're, you're seeing them running around, the aliens climbing up and down and Will Smith's character trying to keep up with them. So you start with action, then you go to something that's made everybody wonder because during the 90s when x-files were out and people were all into this men in black and black helicopters and secret organizations and things like that it was almost prime for a movie like that to come out and so that worked really well except instead of being serious it was hilarious which was Mm -hmm. really really good and the fun they made with Turning to the Enquirer and other magazines like that as the best place to get information on alien existence on the planet. A great joke, the pug being the alien and not the weird-looking guy. So they did all those things, right. and it worked <laughs> really, really well. Um, and the bad guy was hilarious. I mean, hey, I used Chris. to do. I would do. I would turn my head and go, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> to my kids you know i do that voice oh that, that was such good. A good yeah impression. <laughs> and, uh, uh, i'm going to uh, uh, i'm going to i'm uh, <laughs> going to eat you and then turn you into a bug i would do that and the kids would laugh so it was fun
2: so he's got the visual steve had for people who can't see steve has the visual on that when he makes the sound I, I yeah. do, yeah. he's, he's got a good the visual face. too
3: <laughs> yeah you got to do the face turning as he talks but anyway he had that and then it's just the whole neat thing about going to the, where the World's Fair was and finding out those two superstructure mm-hmm. pieces that are, were iconic for the 64 World's Fair are flying saucers. I mean, it just everything really, really, really worked. And then I saw two, and two is, to me, I always remember as being very dark. It's almost like the Temple of Doom of the series, where it goes okay, dark. It goes really wow. dark. And then you got number three, which is a time travel episode, and they handle it good or bad, but what I, I just, I was watching clips again this last couple of days of the griffin. He is probably one of my favorite characters, and I'm, Dean, if you ever watch, just go to the clips and watch about uh, Men in Black 3 and the uh, griffin, mm-hmm. he, but he, I think Robin Williams could have played him. He's just the sweetest character and it redeemed itself. Even I could watch it just for his character in that movie. And even the relationship that you find out finally why Tommy Lee Jones, character is so close to Will Smith. You find that out in number three and Josh Brolin did a great impression of Tommy Lee Jones in that. And number four, eh, it was okay. It just you know we went to go see it hoping for a reboot, but it just wasn't there really. So that's my thoughts on yeah. why one works and the other ones were not as good. What about you, Chris?
1: Yeah, so yeah, so for me, I love one. One I didn't actually like as a kid. I actually found Edgar used to scare me when I was younger, oh. but then I really liked him and just uh, watched the movie all the time. So one was great. Two was one, and this is, it's me, I got to make a food analogy, but I always compare it to Burger King, where every four or five years, I'm like, I'm going to give Burger King another try, <laughs> and I'm going to watch Men in Black too. and every, to see if, like, to see, is this really as bad as I remember, and then both of those things, I'm like, <laughs> you know what, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this, it's actually... It's coming up for another Burger King time, but I just yeah. can't do it. That's Maybe how I feel Black about two, Star I Trek do. Nemesis.
0: I'll, I, Every now and then I'll try it out yeah, just to see if I miss something and go.
1: And Nemesis is hard to watch after watching The Dark Knight Rises for me because of... Um, uh, I can't think of his name now, but that's not part of this discussion. Yes. So yeah, two is one I always go back to, to really see every four or five years to see, do I like it? Is it as bad as I remember every time it is? Three, I saw once. I was like, "All right, that was cool." And then four, I tried to get through, but I think I only finished. I got, I think I got halfway through, and was like, "All right, I'm going to finish this later." and Never went back to it. And so, yeah, that was part of it. Um, that was a huge problem. And I think for me, yes, the humor was like it was like Men in Black one is hilarious. But one thing I think is so unique about Men in Black is the is mundanity a word the the mundaneness of the of the film in the sense like watching Tommy Lee Jones interacting with, I can't remember what the one alien is called talking about the quality of the coffee is I think is such a standout moment because it's like, here's a guy talking to an alien who doesn't care. He's just bored. He's like, all right, I hope they don't have this instant stuff again. (laughs) I hope it's the good quality coffee. And so I think part of it is fun because you get to see Will Smith reacting. Like you would expect like, Oh my gosh, there's aliens everywhere. But just the fact that every other agent just doesn't care, and they're just so unfazed Mm -hmm. by it, I think really makes it unique. Um, I agree. And for Men in Black 2, I kind of felt like they went harder into the kiddiness for me. Something about that seemed like they were trying to be more appealing to kids than Men in Black 1. I could be wrong. I don't know. It just felt like there were so many things that seemed...
2: I was very tempted to watch Men in Black Two before you know we talked about it. I just didn't have time, but mm-hmm. I, I, after watching some enough of the clips and the trailers again, I'm like, I, I do kind of want to watch it again, and then bring my my son with me, of course, to to do it.
1: Yeah, I almost suggested watching it i almost said like go oh, everyone go ahead and watch it but then i thought you know i, I don't want to see that i don't don't feel forced to watch it because there are
2: some scenes in two that are like i think a lot of fun like Felix. i yeah. loved you know when i was watching some clips the post office scene you know when everyone you know when he's uh explaining to to tom and lee Joe to Kay, like hey guess what all the, your co-workers are aliens and he's talking to one in kind of like a rap and then they all like reveal themselves i'm like yeah that was fun i really like i really did enjoy that Yeah,
1: that seems actually really good i would say for my opinion like having like that that one scene is incredible but it's not indicative of the quality of the rest Mm -hmm. of the movie Like there's just something about it i just and i don't know why because you mentioned you you bring up the good point about well sequels always have that and there's a lot of sequels that do have that issue but i think in now and maybe this is just because of the time we live That we're just so spoiled by amazing sequels. Like I think about Spider Man, like the Tobey Maguire first Spider Man. I love that movie. I think it still Mm. it's still great. Some of the effects don't always hold up, and sometimes it feels a bit dated. But then they did Spider Man Two, and that was like one of the best movies ever made so the difference okay so i think there's
2: a a key difference and i think it kind of does tie back a little bit to the world building so so number one they're not world building when they start in spider-man one we already people who are going to see that we already sort of know the world building it's okay. queens it is our world just this guy got bit by spider and spider-man okay so there's no real world building so then it does come down to the quality of the story between the good guy and the bad guy and they've got some really quality um connections there to work with you know so they have uh doc ock they have um the other guy oh gosh we're all blanking, Yeah, we're all blanking, oh, blanking oh. on names oh, yeah. <laughs> the today. So, but that's the thing is I think that's why those movies are so fantastic and are able to be even in the sequels because you're telling this story. Next, you're telling this story. And they're very separate stories. And that's what makes it really, really good. And the, the, the core already exists for them to make that really good story. So I think if that's you, you a key difference.
3: If you don't mind chiming in about sequels that work, you watch, everybody loves the original Star Wars, New Hope, right? But mm-hmm. when you ask people, yeah. what did they love? Empire Strikes Back.
0: Yeah. They developed right. the yes. characters.
3: Okay. So yes, they, as you said, uh, Adina, they created the world in the first movie, but they polished it in the second. And the same thing applies to Alien, is a remarkable film. I mean, it took the monster horror science fiction genre to a new level. But then you see aliens. And to me, that's a better movie, even though they established everything in the first film. But the second one had so much more character development that you got to know who Ripley was, her background, especially if you watch the director's cut, which is you have to do that. Mm. Um, it's It's really a fabulous film. But then again, like I mentioned, you know, you you love Indiana Jones, but then you watch Temple of Duny and you go, you can't show that to children. (laughs) And that's, you know, (laughs) you can show Indiana Jones to kids. That's okay. But you can't show the second one because to watch someone's heart being ripped out.
0: scary, you
3: know,
1: but then even Indiana Jones, I feel like people love The Last Crusade. And it just seems like a, not a rarity, but like the only other example I can think of where they've had so many sequels and none of them have hit has been The Matrix. Like that's mm-hmm. the only, I'm sure well, there's again, other ones out there, but to have.
2: That was an amazing, oh, Again, yeah, like The Matrix. No, movie yeah. one was a completely new world building mm-hmm. situation. It was, it was a massive, shiny new object, right? Mm-hmm. And so then the story did right. not carry exactly. through the rest. I think men in black two and three could have if they had chosen to not just be in New York City again, fighting a different alien again, if they had done something completely different, like let's leave Earth. Okay. Right. So you see men in black here. Okay, well, what about their counterparts on another planet? You know, like mm. then you've got your you're redoing your shiny new object mm-hmm. and you're expanding on the world building. I think that would have worked.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Wait, so if they have a counterparts. In other planets, I, I don't, I don't know what they have. No, no, no. Try they, to they smuggle Well, that's like what aliens? I'm saying is they
2: don't really. So, so the world building in Men in Black. Okay, so we know that there are aliens all over, and like pretty much Earth is like the only one left out of, or it seems like Earth is the only one left out where most humans just don't know what's going on. Okay, so presumably on these other like there's we we meet like a hundred different aliens. So there's all these other inhabited worlds. Yeah. Presumably they know about each other or something, and. But and they're involved in intergalactic travel or whatever. So, Men in Black 2 should have been take us there, take us to one of their home worlds. And what's the situation there? You know, bring the humans there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then you would have had an awesome <clears throat> sequel, and people should hire me to You're
1: write. Them. Right. Because <laughs> it's funny. You bring up, we're talking about the Matrix, and you bring up this good idea for what a sequel could have been. And that immediately brings to mind John Wick, not mm-hmm. a science fiction movie. But the fact that in the first one, you find that there's this continental and there's all these hitmen and it's an underground organization. But then chapter two is like, OK, now we're going to go to Rome. Now we're going to okay. go to other places and see what other continentals mm-hmm. are like. And, like you know, you hit the nail on the mm-hmm. head. More world, world mm-hmm. building. So please, Adina, come up with a draft for, <laughs> for Men
3: in Black 5. Let's get that going. That's the thing about Empire Strikes Back. You leave Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. go to other worlds. Yes, mm-hmm. and you go to other places, and it expanded the universe. Cause,
1: and you get to see, yeah, oh yeah, the, the, like more rebels and yeah. like yes. what their bases yeah. are like.
3: Yeah, it was an expansion on
2: where Men mm-hmm. in Black Two, Men in Black Three, was just like it was just another story set in the same things. Again, I like Men in Black. I thought Men in Black Two was fun still, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: right, it was not Men in Black One.
0: Mm-mm. So one of, one of the great things about. Films, though, too, is you know, like we have picked scenes that we do like in Men in Black 2 that we thought were pretty great, and you know, a lot of people feel that way in track, track, Star Trek fandom about Star Trek 5, generally not considered that great of a film, but there are some gold, st- golden mm-hmm. scenes yeah. in that film that are really fantastic where mm-hmm. the actors came together or just written in such a way what have you that really did work Mm -hmm. um so I think I think that that spark in a film obviously there's enough spark in Men in Black 2 and they made enough money because that's that's really what it's all about is Mm -hmm. that's that's what fosters another film or sequel um they did three obviously made enough money even if there wasn't mm-hmm. as much spark in three, although there was some. Again, I did like Josh Groban in that <laughs> film. I thought he did a great job. Um, and I don't know, did Tommy Lee Jones do the voiceover right, or did he actually impersonate? He did
3: him? his. He did his own voice. He was okay. doing his okay. Tommy wow, Lee fantastic. impression. And that's why so, it's so much. That's why I like it because he has fun doing that.
0: Right. And and they're up in the rocket. You know, they're they're as the rocket's getting ready to lift off. They're trying to keep that. You know, still have that happen. That was kind of very theatrical, mm-hmm. um, in whatnot, and it had you know you got to see at the end how you know his he kind of took over for uh, Will Smith's character um, dad who gave his life there at the end. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I I think very just just a nice little story piece. But is that going to be like if we're going to talk about classics? I'm not putting Men in Black 2 or 3 in a classics <clears throat> classic yeah. category. Mm-hmm. Men in Black 1 I would, more so now after hearing you guys talk about it in such lovely ways. Um you've convinced me a little more, but I just you know, it's sometimes there's just that spark. There's just that recipe they get right one time. Mm-hmm. That and I think Adina's analogy is fantastic too. The yeah. world building, you know, it's mm-hmm. brand new. It's a big shiny object who doesn't like big shiny objects, you know? So <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Oh, I was gonna say I think Brian, you made a really good point, but and I think it's something that we should embrace, and I hope we embrace in this podcast that hey, even if something's not a great movie or a TV show, we can still enjoy certain oh, yeah. parts of it. Like Star Trek Five, like I would say the campfire scene is probably one of the best scenes mm-hmm. in all of Trek, even though the movie's not great, but that dialogue mm-hmm. is so great. And I, I call those in my own had I call them aspect hmm. movies where it's like not great movies but there's aspects that you can I appreciate like that. and that you can Well enjoy. if we
3: can get William Shatner um, on this podcast you can tell him how much you love Star Trek 5 he'll be very happy to hear that.
1: I really enjoy I 5 too. even though there's a lot of issues. I it's one of those ones but because I grew up with it and I used to have these friends where whenever we go to their house I'd pick Star Trek 5 and I'd watch it in their basement <laughs> and that's what we did. So well, that's what I did. Uh, so I mean, yeah, we can. And I, so I really appreciate this idea that hey, even with Men in Black Two, uh, maybe there's not as much to love in, as in the first one. But yeah, like Adina mentioned, the the mailroom scene, fantastic, A good scene. Um, yes, Steve, you
3: wanted to say something. And I was going to say, well, I was going to add in about sequels. You know, I just watched the new director's director cut of Star Trek: The Motion Jealous. Picture. But Wrath of Khan is so much better. Mm-hmm. And again, they brought back Star Trek. They re- redid it. But the sequel is just yeah. so much more interesting. So sometimes you can learn from not your mistakes, but you can build upon it in the second mm-hmm. film, the third film, and so on. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does work. But I was going to say the one of the scene that just gets to me every time I watch it in Men in Black is the scene where Tommy Lee Jones is sitting at the control panel and he brings in the, the satellite and he starts zooming in yeah. down, down, down until you get to see his wife. And I I'm literally, I almost want to cry because he loves his wife so much. He gave up that life to become a man in black, but he still checks up on her to make sure she's okay. And that was it. And then he turns it off and... I think uh, Will Smith walks up and talks to him. What are you watching? Nothing, nothing. And It's just a little snippet, but that's the quality of the writing in that movie and the
0: quality yeah, of the acting. Because
3: yeah. you look at Tommy's face and you see a man who is, you know, torn between two decisions. Mm-hmm. I, I think
0: that's that's a great point, Steve. I, I think one thing that also makes this movie remarkable as I think about it in – Uh, Again, I didn't rewatch the film. I watched a lot of clips, though, on YouTube this past week of it. Um, Thank you, YouTube, for that. But um, I got to say the quality of the acting in this, when you think about the green screen and the alien interactions that were all computer generated or, you know, they were looking at a person holding a stick probably to make sure they were going to look in the right spot or whatever. You know, I, I just it's remarkable. It's 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 and as i was watching the clips i was like wow that that looks solid like i think it holds up visually mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. for today and and in some some films back in that day that came out that were effects heavy they don't quite i don't know if they add up quite as well as this one does well, so
2: there are a lot that came out i think in the late night because i think the late 90s was an exciting time for special effects in movies and i feel like that was a time when I remember I was excited to go see like any new blockbuster movie for the effects. Like, it, like today, nah, I don't, I, but back then that was, that was a time. And I think a lot of the late nineties movies held up. We had recently watched um, my, my son was doing some Egyptology at school and I kind of, as jokingly, I kind of like, well, we gotta watch Stargate, <laughs> you know, the movie Stargate. Nice. And I'm, yeah. and my my husband, he had never seen it, so I'm like, okay, yep, we are watching Stargate. So it was like a month or two ago I made them watch it, and I was surprised how well that had h- held up, especially with the effects with them moving through, you know, the galaxy and everything. I, I was mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised, but I think that was, and we also not too long ago uh, rewatched the first Matrix movie. Also from the same time period, and again, Mm -hmm. the effects held up. uh, You know, the whole look and everything held up really well. So,
3: I was groundbreaking effects. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's exactly it. It was at the time. It was everything about the late nineties was massive groundbreaking stuff, and I think it's all today still very good stuff. I feel like we're not breaking ground today. We're just it's we just have. I I would
1: say (laughs) not. not for effects but i feel like now cinematography has become like its own beast mm-hmm. where people will go see a movie because of the cinematography like i think of the batman which you can say what you will about the batman but that was so beautifully shot same with dune it's another I haven't one seen of those, any of those like, yet such an amazing like cinematography wise it's spectacular but special effects it's like okay yeah we've mm-hmm. already we've all seen that before so i think you're yeah i think you're right that there's no. I can't think of a movie that has come out where it's like, you go see it for the effects. And I think,
0: um, yeah, I think we're used to it. I think, yeah, we're I still think now our it. expectations are so high that we're not as wowed by it as mm-hmm. we used to. So the interesting thing will be what film is going to do something so groundbreaking and different that it will push the envelope a little bit further. I mean, you think about, Jurassic Park when that came out right yeah. everybody was like oh my gosh look at how real these things look and how people how they're interacting with them it was groundbreaking i mean star wars was mm-hmm. groundbreaking right mm-hmm. 2001 a space odyssey was mm-hmm. groundbreaking um i mean the motion picture was groundbreaking in in its own ways there there's all these movies that push the envelope a little bit farther down um or you know the right direction mm-hmm. and now we're we're looking at films and they all have what we can do so what's the next thing that's uh, the when
1: everything is a perfect black level like i know that's a huge story issue better stories, issue better stories yeah. yeah but and then... black levels as i call them well, well I that's not what they're yeah. that's
0: what they're called have you, you guys hear a about lot this? about that chris yeah that's a good that's a good point i've been hearing a lot about <laughs> black levels Yeah, Um, in films, can you can you
3: explain black levels to the audience? Because even I'm a little unfamiliar with that.
0: All right, so it's like
1: with OLED. There's most before OLED. Like if you're just looking at 4K and I want to say LCD, Ah. I could be way off on this. Like when you see the color black, it's not a true black; it's a gray. And so when you have like a really good OLED, it's like shot. The way it's shot is like you'll see a true black. And so when I brought it like with the Batman, Matt Reeves apparently was like he shot it so perfectly and was so meticulous that he called up movie theaters and tried to make sure that, and tell like each movie theater, be like, hey, here's how you have to play the movie. Here are the settings you need to apply so that it's displayed the way that it's meant to be. Um, so that is like a huge thing. Again, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm wrong, that's fine. Let Let us know the truth about it because <laughs> this is like a whole new world to me.
3: Now that you've clarified it, you brought up a very good point. Two thousand and two thousand and eight, two thousand eight. Yeah. We had to buy a new TV, and we were looking at LEDs. I mean, uh, um, LCD TVs. And the guy said to us at Circuit City. Remember Circuit City? Long gone. Oh, uh, we had Circuit. Uh-huh. We had,
1: yeah, we had Circuit City. Yep. Thanks. Anyway,
3: um, he said, "Why don't you look at this plasma TV? Because the blacks are real blacks. Just what you brought up there." and i still i it's still on the wall it still works absolutely perfect mm-hmm. and even when i've read reviews about 4k TVs and all that they say yes they're great but they're still not as good as a plasma TV and plasmas were out, mm-hmm. got were killed off because of the, they are truly energy consuming monsters yes they give off heat mm-hmm. like you can warm the house with them mm-hmm. but the picture mm-hmm. quality i i love it I, I no matter how smart a smart TV is and this one is pretty dumb <laughs> thank goodness you've <laughs> got that. Roku that you can plug into it on an HDMI cable <laughs> but the color and the picture and the Christmas is still I don't want to ever lose it I, I think I'll cry when it dies ever.
2: I'll I, I i agree with steve but it's kind of funny because in because in, i have a plasma a very large like a 60 inch plasma that i bought in 2009 it works fine it's beautiful mm, wow. but yes it it in the summertime i don't like to run it because it really yeah. the amount of heat that thing puts off is incredible I so no idea. Um, oh yeah and now um we had done some construction on my house and now it's set back further from the couch
3: so 60
1: inches doesn't look big enough. Anymore. Yeah. I had that, <laughs> I had that conundrum bought a new TV. I was like, should I go 60 inch or should I go bigger and 70 inch? And so I, I just remembered that there was, I don't know if this <laughs> ad was playing in the U S but there was an ad. I think it was Samsung and it was like, there was a dude. And he was watching TV and then I guess he like his like future self came by and was like, Hey, uh, you shouldn't get, you should try to exchange it because I'm from the future and I have the 60 inch and I'm like really uncomfortable now because it's not big enough. Go with a 70 inch. And it's like, I know that was an ad. I am not trying to sell me more, but that was always in my head when I was looking at TVs because I was mm-hmm. like consistently heard 60 inches isn't big enough now.
3: Well, mine is 50 but, inches. And the guy explained yeah. that you walk the distance from where you're sitting to where it's going to be. And that's the number of, that's how you determine. And so the number of, I guess, and then add Yeah, and so I think we're like <laughs> 10 feet away, and he said, you know, he said, you really, and at that time, I mean, the TV was like $1,600 when I bought it. Now, gosh, if you buy a $1,600 TV, it's going to be bells and whistles and yeah, 10 feet in, di- you know, in, in rectangular size. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, you know, and you're right, the blacks is this most important part of a, a projection.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so much in Black. I, <laughs> I, mean, like I just
0: went on stage. a big well, I was going to say, just yeah. just speaking of, of TV quality, you know, images and all that stuff, I, once again, I, I think Men in Black holds up visually. Mm-hmm. The humor holds up. Um, and, and all the supporting actors in this film, holy cow. I mean, we can harp on Smith and Jones, but... Uh, The supporting cast really Mm -hmm. did. Yeah, they did. I love Tony Schultz. He's He's from Monk, right? Yes. That's what I call Mm -hmm. The Monk.
2: And more recently, from The Marvelous Mrs.
1: Maisel. Oh, God, Which is, I love
3: that show. (laughs) That's the crutching dad.
1: (laughs) The the jewelry Mm -hmm. scene, I think, is hysterical. Like, all the stuff that happens, but then Will Smith coming in and being like, we're going to talk about those Rolexes (laughs) after he's trying to process (laughs) everything. He's like, I still got to (laughs) sound tough. I'm gonna bust you on the Rolex later.
0: I'll be
3: back. And and the well, actually, you just brought up the whole thing about the universe is is in a the the piece of jewelry around the cat's neck. I mean, that's you know, everybody always talks about that. You know, the the universe within a universe within a universe, and there it is. The entire universe is is in this little piece of jewelry.
0: That was something that was really unique yeah. about the film too. I remember being fascinated and intrigued by mm-hmm. that necklace and that that concept. I thought was really cool.
1: Did did the marbles make you like loose not loosely, but like did you overanalyze the marbles and be like, could we be a marble? Like, remember at the end when did you guys see the end where with the mm-hmm. aliens? Playing? Yeah, when it it's, yeah. it kind of mm-hmm.
0: folds mm-hmm. in and folds in. Yes,
1: the Inception
0: ish. Yeah. Was it ever
1: phase you where you are like, hey, I wonder if we're a marble in? the universe i
0: don't it didn't phase me as much uh, about uh, uh as much as the whole end program computer thing we talked about yeah i i think that's scarier <laughs> that Whoa. we could be a part of a program virtual reality thing like a holodeck where mm-hmm. we're checking to make sure we're not being tricked um but i thought i thought that was like that was the perfect ending to this film mm-hmm. Because it was one more gag you weren't expecting, you know, it was outlandish, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. crazy, hysterical, and it works Mm -hmm. because of the film.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (sighs) I guess final, uh, yeah, final thoughts. I'll say this: what makes *Blood, One in Black* number one so good, and the rest not as much? You can't go home again. Sometimes you can't rekindle that magic if you get it right the first time
1: yeah that's true it's just so disappointing it had so much potential and i just i hope there's one day where we get a good sequel like one that's like whoa they can't believe they pulled it off but we'll see and i just wish they go back to red like the red uh That's so i have i have real issues with the blue like why did you change the color and why did you change the the way it works okay because will smith the way you're delivering when you're flashing that thing and you're coming up with all this stuff, like that's not how a neuralizer is supposed to work. You're not replacing a memory. You're going on a tangent, like I am.
0: I, I you know what though? I loved how he would try to adjust people's lives, though, as right. he was wiping their memory right. and giving them advi- relationship <laughs> <Life> advice, <laughs> and yes. that to yes. me was great. I loved that. Yeah,
1: that was actually really funny.
0: So. <laughs> Well, for me, um, I I think you you very intelligent, smart, and wise and funny people have made me change my mind. I'm gonna put this film in the class modern classic Woo-hoo! category because um, y'all are so smart and uh, and so I I think I think this has made me again. I said I didn't watch it, but it has made me want to go back and actually watch the film and. I don't know if I'll watch two and three and international. I don't think. I, no. I don't know if there needs to be a sequel to these films. I don't know. I no, think, there we, no, there doesn't need to be. Do we think, live I in think, a world
1: I, where that's possible?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I I think it's about money, though, honestly. Yeah. I, think, mm-hmm. I think it's going to take the right actor. I'm not sure Smith is going to... Want to do that again I would highly well, doubt it He didn't
2: do international no. So, yeah. so uh, yeah.
1: There is without starting a whole new conversation There is that whole rumor And all this stuff about 21 Jump Street Them Doing a crossover with Men in Black And that was supposed to be in production But then it didn't happen But I feel like that could have worked like, there was, really? like, It was like during the, the Sony leaks Which I think were what 2014 hmm. um, And there was a leak script for Men hmm. in Black And it was going to be the 21 drama Uh, crew (laughs) dealing with men in black. And then I, now it seems like maybe it could happen, but I think that could actually, Mm, I think that could make it work just because it's so different from the men in black movies, but who knows? I could be totally wrong about that.
0: We should have an episode where we do just in theory and just for fun, weird crossovers.
2: Is just writing that note down were you
0: really <laughs> you saying that chris just like what crazy crossovers between yes. universes and genres could that oh might be goodness. a hilarious thing
1: i want to see kirby enthusiasm on star trek i want to see larry david get into a larry david fight with someone
3: on Trek oh. one day <laughs> Let him, yeah, do, let him do that with Spock. Okay. With,
2: well, let, let's save that for the crossover. Yeah, we we'll have to save it for that the would
3: crossover be awesome.
1: So, but I think it would be hysterical.
3: Oh my goodness! That that's what's happened. We're we're what's really going to create here? some gigantic t- tangents with that.
0: <laughs> That'll be. We'll just we'll label that episode, Chris. Tangent City or something Tangent like that. City. Like we'll just let everybody know that this is going to happen. We're and- going
3: to throw everything into the blender and see what happens.
1: And if we <laughs> yeah. say too much, you disagree with us, send us a letter or an email, and we'll mail you a neuralizer, <laughs> and then you can use it and then forget that we ever had this discussion.
2: Well, you know that solves my you know, my, my issue with the whole world building in in episode one, and then not in the next ones is neuralizing in between in between movies oh that'd be so
1: well good. we can also do a topic on what <laughs> movies do you wish we could neuralize so that we could rewatch it again like watch it again for the first time ever
0: oh that's interesting that's yeah. not ones that you can too. forget
1: that's like really mean but like once you were i wish i could see this yeah, for the like, first time
0: yes yeah mm-hmm. i because there are films oh. there are films that i watched as a kid that i thoroughly enjoyed or as a teenager that i know I would find much more meaning in in deeper you know i would see the deeper storylines mm-hmm. and the things woven in and see more details i didn't care about in my younger days mm-hmm. that i care about now because i'd like to think i'm a smidge bit deeper than i was back then and perhaps a little more intelligent. so i think that would be interesting too
2: some of these movies that are 20 or more years old, watching them with my kid, though, it is almost like I'm watching them for the first time. Uh, and it's not just that it's been a long time with me, it's just like because I'm kind of sort of watching it through his lens a little bit. And yeah, so that kind of puts the gives a little like new spin, you know, back to you yeah. know,
1: back on it. Yeah, I've been doing that with my girlfriend. And oh, we've been watching, good. All, we did all the Star Trek movies, we just did A New Hope and it's like i love the new hope like man she really pointed out how luke is it's just like luke just come down for a little bit listen just think about things don't ask questions just you know relax a little bit so but it's been fun
2: i really
0: want to be a jedi right now
2: (laughs) that's the thing with my my son because he knows i've seen it so all through the movie he'll be asking me questions why they do that what happened like just watch the movie. Pretend I don't know either.
1: <laughs> and I have a question about a Star Wars question. We'll try to keep this quick, but do you think uh, Mark Hamill's kids have ever said when he's like, hey, you got to do this thing and they're like, no, Dad, I want to go to the, I have to go to the Tashi station to get power converters. Like, I really hope his kids said that once to him. And, and with,
3: the like, voice, with, with the squeaky sir? voice, with the squeaky voice. But
1: power converters. Yeah, you gotta I got to say go it like Tashy that. Tashi station to get some power converters. <laughs> all right this is getting very wild okay okay any final thoughts before we uh before we bounce out of here
3: yeah as always it's a pleasure working with you folks and discussing these things and you know thank you thank you thank you yes
1: i agree thank you so much tonight for a fantastic discussion i think i can sleep a little better knowing that we have an answer as to why they haven't been able to recapture the magic for men in black Mm one but before Mm -hmm. we go what is everyone doing and what would you like to plug
0: well i am always writing music and releasing them on my website so visit uh reverbnation.com slash brian t donahue you'll be to check that out if you like and check out my other podcasts which are listed in the podcast notes um and just support this podcast this is so much fun and we really genuinely have a good time um, recording these podcasts and being together every week to do this. If you have ideas for podcasts, send it to us at big, big sci-fi podcast at com. We'd love to hear from you.
2: I'm putting the finishing touches on the second book in my mm-hmm. robot galaxy series. Yay. The first one is crazy, foolish robots. The second one is robots, robots everywhere. And it'll be, Available on starting on May 2nd and I'm very excited because my ARC reviewers right now they're giving me some great feedback I'm super happy how this is coming out so that will be uh, out soon and I'm I'm knee deep in book three too
3: <laughs> and I know I know there's a time distance between when the release of the podcasts and when we're recording them but tomorrow I normally would be at Children's Hospital working as a volunteer uh, in the book depository, but it's opening day for baseball for the Dodgers. Right. I have to watch it <laughs> live. Okay. Uh, I I'm get so it. excited yeah. that baseball is starting again. I love that sport. And uh, that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm not a baseball guy, but I did hear that the blue Jays did well last year and there's some excitement that they might do well this year which is a big deal to have two toronto teams being successful is is a dream mm-hmm. and i really want to learn city. I, I really just want to like sit down and actually learn the rules of baseball they confuse me i got to figure out even on ds9 i i re the scenes where they explain the rules and just i don't get it so i'm going to try maybe downloading um Am will be the show for Xbox and see how that goes. It's free on mm-hmm. game pass in any case anyone cares, but uh, I would love to be able to have a legitimate conversation about baseball and be like, you know what? I'm going to provide some analysis uh, for that, for that game.
3: Watch out. Don't ask me. I won't shut up. Okay. I'm <laughs> i am be excited. I just, there's, there's still something. The reason why I love it. It's still a wooden bat. It's still a horsehead ball. It's still a leather glove. They still run the bases it's still it's tradition
1: yeah exactly that's so true and I think it's so good when things you know no matter how much things change some things will stay the same as they say mm-hmm. and yes and I'm Christian Fox and I host a podcast called yelling about Star Trek and I'm also reworking my yelling about Star Trek YouTube channel and I'm trying to focus on beginners to this series so if you like Star Trek and or you're curious about it and want to get into it check out my channel because I'm going to be doing a lot of one-on-one videos where I break down all the series and everything you need to know so you can understand what the heck is happening in that series. And thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time.